Hello there, welcome to the Tech Means Business Podcast. This series of podcasts is where I talk to interesting folk who are at that particular confluence between technology and business. Today, we're talking about data analytics or data science, which I guess if you were going to define it would be using data you own or have access to in some way to help see well all sorts of things really, historic growth maybe, uh, predict the future, make better decisions uh, for your organisation, maybe create a better customer experience. I mean, the possibilities really are pretty much endless. So to help me take those steps between data and something decent coming out the other end in terms of, I don't know, making a better decision, I'm speaking today to Jorge Sancha, who's from Tinybird. Tinybird is a company that helps companies, businesses and organisations realise the inherent value in their data by taking away a great deal of the heavy lifting uh, that usually goes on. So without further ado, um, as is usually the way around here, I shall ask Jorge, uh, welcome to the show. I wonder if you just give us a few words of autobiography about how you uh, came to end up at Tiny Bird uh, and also uh, about the company and how you ended up there. Uh, absolutely. Um, and thank you for, for having me. Uh, me personally, uh, my background is in engineering and, and, uh, and, and products. Um, I've been um, building startups and working in technology now for quite a bit of time, as you can tell by the, my white beard. But um, uh, essentially, um, my, I started uh, developing as, uh, you know, when... Uh, when Netscape was was still a hottest browser, you know, and uh, been doing things around the internet for a long time, and um, very soon I started, you know, managing people and teams of people, and that gave me the opportunity to work in international companies, um, first from Spain, but then in other countries as well, and then um, uh, eventually I started my own company uh, uh, called Vivanjo um, that I sold to a a French group, and then uh, I met my now co-founders at a company called Carto, uh, which uh, we worked together for for a number of years there, and um, that's where some of the seeds of Tiny Bird were planted. In the sense that at Carto, we were looking at how to help uh, our customers deal with larger amounts of data because we could see that they would come to us every year with an order of magnitude more data than the previous year, and um, we spent a lot of time helping them doing ETLs and pre-aggregations and things like that. And we started thinking, you know, there has to be a better way. We, we hated that. We were developers and, and, uh, and, and, you know, we, we just wanted to solve um, problems for our users uh, rather than having to limit the amount of data that we could work with. And that's how we started thinking about this problem. We started looking into um, other technologies and so on. Uh, and eventually, you know, Carto went in a different direction, more around data science, not so much of analytics. And we we started uh, leaving the company uh, at various points in time and seeing the same problems in other companies. Whenever there was there's huge amounts of data that you want to work with and, uh, and you want to um, join that data with other sources of data and you want to build something on top of that, it's becoming increasingly complex and there are... Um, uh, loads of different ETL technologies that have evolved over the years 
but it's become a massive plumbing problem that's only getting harder and harder as the amount of data grows. And developers tend to be farther and farther away from being able to deal with this data themselves and, and build on top of this uh, themselves. So that's what TinyBird aims to solve, which is we're trying to make it really easy for developers to build over huge amounts of data uh, and in the way that they're used to building and the way they're used to working with with other any other software project. Yeah, so it's not really a criticism, I guess, in that um, developers might necessarily not know a great deal um, about uh, data analytics in the same way that they might not know a great deal about cybersecurity, for instance, or even the complexities of the of the networking stack. And what you're saying is that the data engineering part of it is complex as of itself. It wasn't enough of a problem. Like developers could deal with the amounts of data that, uh, you know, databases that were uh, available were fine to deal with most of the data problems. And that's where, and at that time, as, as data was really growing, new technologies came about like data warehouses and things like Hadoop and, and things like that. And that required um, sort of a, almost like a different mindset in order to how to deal with big data. And, and, uh, and then that created this spe- specialization around data and around data engineering and, and you know, how to um, uh, set up the infrastructure and how to such that you can deal with huge amounts of data and how to um, attack problems when you have huge amounts of data is how do you go about extracting analytics when you have billions and billions of rows it's not you can't use the same technology or the same mindset that you're using to build an e-commerce website you need to think about it in a different way so it's not that um, developers are not you know, their, their focus is somewhere else. They can obviously learn all of this stuff, but their focus is somewhere else, which is on building applications and, you know, creating uh, value for the business as soon as possible, iterating quickly, all of these things. And, and that's why sort of data engineering as a profession has, has uh, continued to become more and more interesting because data keeps growing. There's more and more technologies uh, around ETLs. But, but our thesis here and our belief is that there's such competition and there's such um, interest in all the companies to go to market faster with all your uh, business problems and all your products. And there's such value in the data that you're capturing and that you're generating as you run your business that you have to enable developers to work with that data directly for certain use cases, for those use cases where dealing with fresh data makes a difference, for those use cases where you have to provide low latency and sort of scalability and, and sort of build the use of that data into your products and, and so on. And that, that's where we come in. You know, we're, we're trying to um, enable developers to do those things. That doesn't mean we don't work with data engineers. We also work with data engineers a lot of the time. And, uh, and it really depends on the size of the company many times. And data engineers, what we're helping them is to enable their developers faster, you know, so that in a, with less work, data engineers can um, create uh, APIs and environments and projects that developers in their organization can use to build on their own. So, so we, we, that, that's how we are, uh, we're, we're always looking at this 
from the point of view of speed and and on from the point of view of enabling um, developers uh, to build faster and companies to go to market faster with the products. Yeah, if we park uh, for a moment the idea of low latency and, and real-time data analytics, um, we'll certainly come back to that later on in the podcast. But if we look even now at static data, um, it's really part of the problem is really down to the fact that so much of this technology is incredibly new. I mean, it's within my lifetime uh, and within yours as well. Um, that we've gone from Netscape Navigator to Ubiquity of Chrome. We've gone from Web 1.0 or HTML 1.0 to HTML 5 and beyond. Um, but nevertheless, because this technology is also new, that might be why, is it, that data projects are typically so expensive at the moment just because it's such early days and it takes a long time to build data models it takes a long time to hire data scientists is it because you know we've only just really set out that things are so expensive i think i think it has to do with um with uh, i mean obviously the technology is 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 constantly evolving and 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 batch technology has evolved a lot but the underpinnings of that technology is batch. So everything that you can do, you go at it with this batch mentality of, hey, I run a process, I transform the data somehow, and then I put it somewhere else so that I can do something with it, whether that's business intelligence or, or something like that. And, and then it doesn't matter, you can maybe batch things closer or you know try to do, but, but it's a different mind shift, uh, mindset, sorry, when you're trying to build directly over that data. And I think part of the reason why data projects often get uh, very expensive and often get very slow, it's because of all of the handoffs, um, and, and, I, and I'll explain what I mean. If you look at the amount of pieces of technology involved to building uh, or in building one of these data projects, let's say that you want to build, you have an application and you're capturing data from you know hundreds of thousands of customers or, or end users and you want to build some type of metric that you show to each user um, in real time so um, you can think of something like booking.com uh, showing you in each of the hotel pages hey there are three people looking at this page or uh, you know that kind of thing that it's taking into account a lot of the what's happening on the website right now so if you look at if you look at that and how that traditionally that problem would be solved, you first need to set up something to capture all of the events, something like Kafka, for instance. Then you, because if you have huge amounts of data, you'll probably be storing it somewhere intermediate, like an S3 bucket or some kind of, um, uh, you know, blob storage somewhere. Then you'll be picking, there will be some process that will pick that up and ingest it into a data warehouse um, uh, of some kind. Then you have some process that will, in batch, run over that, make some calculations, and then uh, you know store it in some other table. There'll be another process that will take that and put it into a low latency database type of storage, like a DynamoDB or a MongoDB or something like that, so that, that finally you can query from the page to figure out you know how many people have been seeing this over the last you know few minutes or thirty minutes, or whatever. So that's 
the, uh, first, you're losing a lot of real timeness in that process, you know, to get that to um, where it needs to be. But at the same time, if you think of, there's teams of people involved at every stage of the way. So when you want to build some of these things, you have to put all of those people in agreement. You have to build this project. And, uh, you know, all of that, of course, it's possible. And this is how many companies work today. But it can be so much better, you know, and it can be so much cheaper if you um, use the right tools for the job. And uh, rather than trying to use uh, all the stack that you already have in place um, to, you know, to, to do something that it wasn't really designed for. So we, we see a lot of that, you know, a lot of uh, uh, companies that have already a lot of technology and uh, in place. And obviously, when you all you have is a, a hammer, you know, everything looks like a nail. So it doesn't uh, matter what the problem is. You know, there's already an inertia and a, and a set of teams in place and a mindset that sort of takes you in that direction. Um, but I think it's really important to be on the lookout for new opportunities to do things faster and in a in a new way. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, as you can see, things are getting faster in the world, like uh, with the AI and all of these things. And uh, and data is very similar in that sense. You know, the the faster you can build over data, the faster you can go to market, the more advantage you have over the competition. Um, so that that that's that does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and I guess we are still in that mentality, that mindset of setting batch processes running and then clearing off for the night uh, and then maybe getting some answers the next morning if we were lucky. Um, are there any other, apart from that batch mentality, are there any other pitfalls um, do you think that companies need to watch out for when they're considering data projects? First one is when you when you're thinking about uh, until very recently um, the feeling and and sort of the accepted truth uh, was that building in real time was very expensive. That if you wanted to do real time data applications, it's possible, but it's really expensive. Uh, that's the th first thing that people need to understand that that's not the case anymore, and and that uh, there are uh, now technologies that allow you to deal with huge amounts of data at scale, really fast, um, uh, but they're not the same ones that you're using for batch. And that's important to, to understand. So, because um, what we've seen in, in a lot of companies is that, uh, you know, if you have something like BigQuery or Snowflake, the first thing, if you want to build something in real time and at scale, the first thing you'll try is to use that, you know, and then you'll see, wow, like I have to throw gobs of money at this problem in order to try to get Snowflake to scale to support something like that. Of course, because Snowflake is not designed for that. So that's why it looks so expensive. But, and that's why the first sort of a trap is you have to be thinking about using the right tool for the job. The next one is um, it, it requires a bit of a, of, a, of a change in terms of how you think about the solving the problem. Um, so, you, you know, uh, with, with Batch, you're always thinking about, hey, what process you know, what conversion do I have to build such that the result is looking like something that I can query from my production application and that I can run in a regular basis and that runs in, a, in the right amount of time such that when it's finished, you know, uh, uh, you know what, so how do I um, group these batches so that I can get the data out and so on. With uh, When thinking about real time, you need to be thinking about transforming or modeling that data at the time of ingestion such that as data is coming in 
you're already modeling it into the final format that you're going to want to use. That's, that's how you manage to scale these things up uh, is because if you can do that, what you're doing is instead of having to run aggregations and, and batches over huge amounts of data, like if you run every hour, one hour of data could be a lot in a big business, you know? But if you're running it every, I don't know, 250 milliseconds, you know, then you're essentially running it over a very small amount of data that can run really quickly. So those, those materializations at the time of interest and thinking about, um, you know, how do I already prepare the data to be consumed at the time of ingest, that's a really sort of important mind shift as well. Um, and, um, and in general, with large data problems, you need to be thinking backwards. So you need to be thinking from the end result rather than, you, um, you know, if you think about data warehouses and, and what data teams are trying to do with data warehouses, they're trying to build pipelines that create uh, models of data that the whole organization can use for generic purposes, like, uh, you know, they're trying to replicate, you know, what is useful for the business. Like, for instance, if I'm in e-commerce, I'm going to be trying to create a table that has, uh, you know, uh, revenues in a way that the system, that the whole organization understands revenues so that the whole organization can query the revenues table, you know. And and that's, that's great for, for sort of data warehouses because they, that's what they're built for, to be generally a good way to understand what's going on with, with your business for uh, different parts of the organization. But when you're building something uh, for, you know, that needs to scale, that needs to be in real time, that needs to be, you know, uh, very low latency and so on, you need to be thinking about, okay, what exactly am I trying to build? And then work backwards from that to understand what you need to do with the data as soon as it comes in and how you get it ready to be consumed, basically. Okay, so if I gave you uh, 15 seconds, Jorge, how about giving me, what's the elevator pitch then for Tinybird? And then by proxy, uh, what's the solution to making each data query, each data process faster and uh, more, more efficient and therefore more economically viable? We help, uh, we, we scale and speed up um, development over data at scale. So we, we, to put it differently, we help developers build fast APIs faster over streaming data at any scale. So we essentially are um, making it really easy for developers to build over huge amounts of data. Uh, it's, <laughs> that, that's what we do. And in, in more technical terms, Tinybird helps you to ingest, transform, and uh, expose um, uh, APIs over uh, uh, any amount of data, essentially. And just using SQL, by the way. Yeah, Im important point uh, to make there, definitely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there uh, streaming data. Uh, streaming data equals Kafka, to my rather simple mind. Talk to me about working with Kafka and Tinybird and the way that the two might work and look together. Yeah, so, I mean, Kafka is um, almost... A de facto standard in terms of capturing of that data capturing, um, and it's very very um, extended and 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 so on. And it is it gives you the ability to read or consume data uh, from different places and at different speeds. 
So, which is really useful when you're capturing large, uh, large amounts of data and you still don't know what you're going to do with it and, you know, or, or you reckon you're going to do many things over time. And that's really great. Um, and then it's also very, very, it, it lends itself really well to real time as well, because the moment that, that data is captured, capture is available to be consumed. And uh, so, so we, whenever we see someone that is using Kafka, you know, we get very happy because uh, essentially we can help those people build APIs on top of whatever data they're capturing really, really fast. Like literally in under a minute, you can have a, a quick API that you build over uh, those streaming data, uh, those, those topics in Kafka with Tinybird. With Tinybird, you don't, uh, you don't strictly need Kafka. You can, we have our own streaming endpoints. So if you're a developer and you're not interested in or a data team, but you're not interested in managing Kafka because Kafka is uh, complex to set up and maintain. And uh, there are great players out there that host Kafka, but you need to balance, you know, what you need in terms of cost and so on. So if you don't, you're a development team and you don't want to use Kafka, you can use Tinybird to stream data directly. So you, we have a, an HTTP endpoint you can send events to at a, at a massive scale. And immediately, as, as soon as that data hits TinyBird, is available to query. So that makes it first really easy to capture the data, whether you're doing it from a browser or you're doing it from a, a backend application or you're instrumenting some process, you can be sending constantly data to TinyBird and then building SQL pipes that you can uh, transform into APIs that you can then integrate in your product. So it really... Like you're you're uh, using Kafka, I mean Kafka is amazing uh, product. It has a lot of applications. Uh, if you want to quickly build over it and and take advantage of all the data that you're capturing, Tinybird is a great way to do that um, because you don't have to be building your own consumers and you know deploying them to production, scaling your own APIs, all of those things. We do all of that essentially with a few clicks. You can have that up and running. Uh, and uh, and deployed to production workloads and so on. I think, Jorge, you better give us uh, a couple of sources of information, uh, which I'll put in the show notes, by the way. Uh, the first one being for developers, um, maybe, I don't know, a demo or a download, somewhere where they can go and play in a sandbox, um, maybe build some APIs quickly, as you say, uh, and see what that's all about. And then on the other hand as well, maybe some documentation for people uh, in the C-suite, decision makers, uh, people with more of a uh, business-focused strategic imperative, maybe? Yeah, so for, for developers, uh, the best way is, is to go to the website. We have a great documentation uh, uh, page where you can get started. We also have uh, uh, some starter kits and examples that you can use to learn about Tinybird faster. We are, we are constantly also creating um, guides as well as screencasts on how to do uh, accomplish different things with Tinybird. So for developers, developers need very little help in terms of uh, figuring things out. So best way is to, uh, there's a free plan in Tinybird, which is essentially you can um, uh, use Tinybird and invite people and whatever you want to do up to a thousand requests a day to our APIs. So if you're building something, it's more than enough to build a, a, a prototype or something that, that you want to test out and look at latency and look at scalability and things like that. There's a pro plan as well, so you can just put in your credit card and, and start using it. 
and obviously if you're but if you're you know doing this as part of your business we're obviously super happy to talk to any team there to help them go to production with a we have discounted pricing you know when you get to certain volumes and things like that to to make it you know really to make people see that you know it's, this doesn't scale linearly but rather you know tapers off the more you use it the cheaper the the unit pricing let's say uh, comes and then for business people that we also have like our blog is a great great place to find information we also have like a use cases and, and and case studies in in our website and and i think the key sort of message for business people and 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 sort of business owners and so on to understand i think is what is the value of of real time of having the ability to react faster to opportunities and problems is something that compounds over time so you know if you put out a marketing campaign and you can know immediately how it's behaving and react to that you know during black friday or during you know your sales period or that gives you a great competitive advantage and the more uh, we always say that speed wins because the faster the the queries the faster uh, the, you know the less infrastructure you need to run them the happier your users will be because the user experience will be better so i think thinking about all of that is really important uh, in order to start thinking how real time can benefit um, your business and then also there's a great consideration to keep in mind here which is we help a lot of companies reduce costs uh, which is a very important uh, topic in the context of uh, the economy right now and um, in the sense that if you think about all of the moving parts you need and that people are throwing at this problem you know capturing the data storing it somewhere etl transformation uh, you know then another database you know reducing your stack and reducing your moving parts and specializing what technology you use for what is generally a really good way to to save costs and uh, you know we we simplify all of that process a lot and i think that's another really interesting consideration to make when looking at tinyvert as opposed to other pieces of technology that you're going to have to manage uh, by yourself and host by yourself and and so on. so i think those are the sort of the relevant i think points to to make for business people well hawke sancha thank you very much for uh, for joining us today on the tech means business podcast thank you very much thanks for having me no our pleasure and if folk want to find out more whether that's from a developmental point of view um, or from a business owner or function owner's point of view there'll be some links to follow in the show notes i'd urge you to go and do some reading uh, go and do some testing um, and find out what tiny bird can do for you and your organization uh, and for everybody out there thank you very much for listening to us today uh, i've been with jorge sancho of tiny bird today i hope you've enjoyed uh, the past 20 minutes or so as much as i have and urge you to come back for a little bit more on the tech means business podcast probably about this time next week bye for now <laughs>